Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello, everyone. Uh, thanks for joining me today. Uh, my name is Manpreet and I'm filling in for Steve, who unfortunately couldn't join us because of technology issues. Now, in financial markets, uh, it's been another volatile week with U.S. equities experiencing a sharp slump on Wednesday, although there are signs that sentiment is getting close to extreme bearish readings, uh, which can be a contrarian signal for investors. Meanwhile, there are increasing signs that the equity and bond market correlation is normalizing, which means traditionally diversified allocations could start to behave in a more normal manner, with any equity losses being softened by gains in bond prices. Now, with me to discuss recent developments and what it might mean for investors is Rajat Bhattacharya, who runs a macro strategy team within the CIO office. Uh, we'll discuss whether we are close to a bottom in major equity markets, what are the key things to keep an eye on, what recent economic data mean for a bullish Asia, Asia's Japan equity view, and how whether investors should consider navigating the current environment. So, Rajat, uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, financial markets, of course, have been choppy, with major equity markets now having pulled back anywhere from 20 to 30% uh, from their early 2022 peaks. In your view, are we getting close to a bottom? Hi, Manpreet. Uh, glad to be here. Uh, the last few weeks have indeed been grueling for investors. However, some of the missing ingredients for risk assets to bottom and sustainably recover appear to be gradually falling into place. U.S. long-term inflation expectations, for instance, have retraced from April's multi-decade highs, enabling 10-year government bond yield to pull back well before approaching the strong resistance at around 3.26%. As a result, the U.S. dollar index is showing signs of peaking, at least in the near term. It failed to rise even after Fed Chairman Powell and other officials this week warned that they are willing to take U.S. rates into restrictive territory if inflation stays high. This shows how much investors have already factored in the inflation and policy rate outlook in the U.S. Uh, thanks, Rajat, for that context. Uh, so what are some of the indicators you're watching to assess whether we're near a bottom? So, Manpreeta, we have our fear and greed indicator and our proprietary uh, measure of market positioning, which is based on diversity of investor views across various asset classes. Both of them confirm investors' currently one-sided positions. For instance, the fear and greed index is showing the highest fear level since the height of the pandemic in early 2020. The fractals data that I talked about is indicating extremely low diversity of views on emerging market local currency bonds, uh, CNH, uh, the yen, sterling, natural gas, the real estate equity sectors across major markets and emerging markets, uh, ex-Asia equities. The diversity of views on global government bonds has been extremely low for several weeks anyway. All of these imply the assets have a high chance of reversing the recent trends. Also, after several months, the correlation between stocks and bond moves appears to have broken down, as you mentioned earlier. Bonds rose on days stocks fell, once again offering investors benefits from diversification. No, I'd agree. A lot of fear out there indeed, and we could certainly do with a bit of greed. Uh, but in that case, in, in your view, what's holding back the recovery? So, uh, Manpreet, throughout this year, stocks and bonds have been dragged lower by concerns about the Fed turning increasingly hawkish in its bid to fight inflation. It appears the Fed has finally managed to cap inflation expectations. However, over the past week, concerns that corporate profit margins have peaked is the latest fear stocking markets. 
following warnings from major U.S. retailers of the negative impact of rising input costs and wages. The profit margin concerns have also dragged down consensus U.S. earnings estimates for the coming year, despite all-round earnings beats in, in the first quarter. The consensus is still forecasting record earnings for 2022 and 2023, though. We would make a few counterpoints against the peak margin concerns. First, peak margins have been already anticipated uh, for a while. Second, the margins are potentially problematic in low-margin sectors such as consumer staples and discretionary, while the consensus still expects high double-digit margins in other sectors. Third, U.S. consumption remains extremely strong. And finally, cost pressures uh, should subside by the second half of 2022. Uh, thanks, Rajat. I think that's a, a lot of useful context on, US, on the U.S. economy and markets. Uh, what about the outlook elsewhere? In China, for example, data has been quite weak recently. So, uh, indeed, uh, in China's data for April was extremely weak, uh, if I may say so. The economy uh, probably contracted in April due to severe lockdowns based on the April's uh, retail sales and industrial output data that came through this week. But the outlook appears to be turning around there. China's COVID uh, infections, for instance, continue to decline sharply. This has enabled uh, Shanghai, for instance, to reopen. This week, the PBOC, the the Chinese central bank, cut its benchmark five-year lending rate, which determines the cost of mortgage and infrastructure loans by a record 15 basis points, highlighting its desire to support the property sector. Meanwhile, Vice Premier Liu He voice uh, support to, for a gradual relaxation of regulations for internet platforms. Also, rules on China's property sector are being gradually relaxed. With China's equity valuations going at almost 30% discount to global equities, we believe they are quite attractive for long-term investors. All right, some interesting developments there as well. So if we start bringing this together between what, what you described in the US and, and China, of course, what exactly should investors do now? So one, bit, uh, one thing that to uh, note is that the near-term technicals for risk assets remain weak. Uh, after the S&P 500 index, for instance, broke below the key support of uh, 4,063, the next major support is at 3,600. Although there are uh, support levels every 100 basis points uh, uh, between those two levels. Our fear and greed indicator highlights the risk of further downside before we reach extreme fear levels from where markets have historically rebounded strongly. Nevertheless, as highlighted uh, earlier, pockets of opportunities are emerging with several markets oversold. This provides long-term investors opportunities to average into some of our preferred markets that are going on sale. And there I I would note uh, Asia, Japan equities, for instance, including China equities and emerging market and Asia dollar bonds. Gold remains a good portfolio diversifier. It has become even more attractive after the recent sell-off as U.S. rate expectations peak. We see an opportunity there to add exposure. Uh, thanks, Rajat. And I think it's interesting, of course, when you describe pockets, there's quite a number of pockets uh, to, to take advantage of the current sell-off. But as we'd remind listeners always to do that always within a well-diversified investment uh, allocation. Uh, last question for today. Um, what are the next signposts investors should keep an eye out for in the coming weeks? Indeed, uh, in fact, uh, investors should be keeping a close eye on the upcoming G7 meeting. It's, it's a, a, a month away uh, in Germany in, in June, but there'll be ministerial meetings uh, in the run-up to that. 
So the key to watch there is uh, will, for instance, Euro area policymakers or indeed the Japanese policymakers push back against the Euro or Yen weakness. Uh, what we really need is a peak in the US dollar uh, for, for global risk assets to uh, rebound sustainably. So uh, uh, US dollar peak would be a big relief for investors. The other one to watch is uh, Russia's reaction to uh, uh, Finland and Sweden's uh, joining NATO or for that matter, you know, any EU decision to ban imports of Russian oil. So those are the risks to watch. Uh, meanwhile, the Fed's last meeting minutes should indicate the level of consensus amongst policymakers behind multiple 50 basis point hikes in the coming months. As, as you noted earlier, I mean, the, uh, the Fed uh, market is expecting uh, uh, 50 basis points hikes in June and July. So we need to see how much uh, there is a consensus uh, amongst uh, policymakers. Other than that, the uh, uh, raft of data, including the PMIs from US and Euro area, US durable goods orders, and, and new home sales uh, data. Uh, so th those are the ones to uh, watch in, to assess the health of the US economy. I must add that we do not expect a US recession in the next six to 12 months, but we need to watch the coming uh, incoming economic data very closely. Okay, well, that's um, all we have time for today. Uh, thank you, Rajat, for sharing those thoughts and those details. Uh, and thank you, listeners, uh, for joining us today. I know it's a difficult period for investors, uh, but it's a good time to remind ourselves that it's the actions we take when markets go on sale that are typically a big determinant of long-term financial success. So please do reach out to your Standard Chartered Relationship Manager to find out how the current environment might be navigated given your own personal financial situation and the discussion uh, Rajat and I just had. In the meantime, have a great weekend and Steve will hopefully be back again uh, to speak with you again next week. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.